Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why does making friends as an adult feel so What hard? should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a foreign But that Why is was not first good. Home so what do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know, know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Our guest today is best known as one of the biggest supermodels in the world, but Giselle Oliveira has an amazing story before becoming one of the world's most recognizable faces. Giselle was born in Brazil, and after being recruited when she was 20 years old, she moved to Miami with little money, no family, and very little knowledge of the English language. She is a hustler, you guys, and she has certainly worked her way up after going through many rejections in her early years, which you will hear about in this episode. She's now best known for walking in the Victoria's Secret fashion show, as well as walking in shows for top designers in the world, such as Dolce & Gabbana, Ralph Lauren, and Tori Burch. You have probably seen her face somewhere, whether it's an H&M campaign as the face for MAC Cosmetics or on the cover of Maxim, as well as multiple Vogue covers around the world. But obviously, why I wanted to talk to her was not to go through her impressive modeling career, although I did want to know the tea about some of the behind the scenes, which we got into in this episode. It's really fascinating. But I wanted to talk to Giselle because she has been outspoken about the unrealistic beauty standards and toxic ideals around weight in the fashion and modeling industry. A couple months ago, she went viral for exposing a fashion brand for body shaming during a fitting. I was fascinated by her refusal to be silenced and how she's so open about how her body has changed while the fashion industry still needs a lot more change. We have a fascinating conversation all about the pressures in the fashion industry and lack of diversity, what being a supermodel is actually like. I ask her for all the tea on being a Victoria's Secret model and her thoughts as the brand has been under major fire in recent years for perpetuating an extremely unhealthy standard and lack of body diversity, to say the least. But Giselle also has really, really good tips, you guys. Like the best tips for confidence and self-worth, because if you can deal with what she dealt with in the model industry and still accept your body, you'd be an expert too, okay? She talks also about how she got discovered, the secret to persevering and having a lasting career that can relate to any job, and obviously her wellness and beauty secrets that she's been doing since her childhood in Brazil. You know I had to ask. This episode is a really good one. Let's dive into it. Please welcome Giselle Oliveira to the Every Girl Podcast. I'm very excited because I'm moving out houses this week. So I'm, I'm going to a very beautiful house. So I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Where are you going? Where are you moving? <laughs> well, I'm moving just to another neighborhood. I'm, I'm now in Hollywood. I'm going to Century City, but I'm, I'm moving to a house with a pool and jacuzzi. So, <gasps> Oh my excited. gosh. That sounds amazing. 
Amazing. Gonna keep wow. my tan all year. <laughs> <laughs> the tan all year round. Oh my God, that's incredible. How long have you been in this current place? Uh, one year. Okay, one year. So not so long. But time for the next. Oh my gosh, onward and upward. Yep. <laughs> oh my God, that's so exciting. Are you really stressed out? Is there a lot of things you're having to do with the move? A lot of clothes, <laughs> a lot of everything. <laughs> Oh my God. Isn't that, that's always the case when you move and you're like, why do I have so much shit? Like it, why is every room packed with stuff? That's how I always feel. It's like, how did I end up here? And it just gets worse as the house gets bigger. You <laughs> yeah. have more stuff. So <laughs> Got more stuff to deal with. It's always the issue. Well, Giselle, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Every Girl Podcast. We are so excited to have you and dive into all the hot topics. Yes, me too. <laughs> Okay, so I would love to start from the very beginning. What was your childhood like and what did you want to be when you grew up? My childhood was, I would say, very simple. Like I, my parents were very strict, so they didn't let me play outside or any of that. So I was mostly at home playing Barbie, either with my older sister or by myself. But because I was always very skinny and tall, people always said like, oh, you should be a model. I always had that in mind, but like, because we came from a very poor place, we didn't have the money to pay for photos. So there was no way I could model without photos. So as time passed and I was like, I would say 16, that's when uh, my parents bought, you know, a Cybershot camera. So that was the first camera that we had. And I used to love taking photos. And then at the time, this uncle of mine that does bridal dresses was like, do you want to take some photos for me? And I'm like, oh, sure. But I was very shy. So I was like, okay, let me try. And then I loved the whole photo shoot thing, like of getting hair and makeup done. And the photos came out horrible because I was very shy. But... <laughs> oh, it's hard to believe, but, <laughs> but I'm I sure loved the it. first shot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but I, it was hard. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I was just very shy. That's so interesting, though, that you were shy because obviously now seeing you as the face of things in this major supermodel, like it, it is such a hard thing to believe. So I think that's so interesting for people to hear that you grew up very shy and feeling uncomfortable in front of the camera. What was that like that first time you were in front of the camera? I know that you said that it obviously was like maybe a little awkward for you. Were you able to break out of your shell? What was it like? I think I only really felt comfortable after I started modeling with an agency. And after I got to deal with like actual fashion photo shoots and all of that, that's when I, I was like, okay, like I am, I'm still super shy, but I know that I have to do this and that to look better. Because when you're shy, you're just like, oh my gosh, if I do this, I'm going to look uncomfortable. And with time you, you get over that. You're like, oh, I have to do this. So I look better. Yeah, totally. Like you kind of just like learn to pick up skills, which makes you more confident yes. in front of the camera. That makes sense. So let's talk about that. How did you go from that young girl who was in Brazil and who was, you know, did her first photo shoot for her uncle's company and moving in towards a professional model? How did that bridge happen? I was actually a blogger before I was a model. I had my little blog that I would talk about trends and like do-it-yourself stuff because as I came from like a poor background, I had to go and buy vintage stuff and then maybe like make it look cool with like painting or like doing little things. So my blog was about that. And that was in 2010. It was a long time wow, ago. Wow. <laughs> An OG blogger. <laughs> yes. So that was when like the bloggers started blowing up, I guess. 
And that's how my mother agent, which is the first agency that our model has, they saw me and they were like, oh, do you have any agency? And I'm like, no. They're like, oh, you should come meet us. So then I did. And then the owner of the agency was looking at me like, this girl is so like, I don't know. Because I was very emo too. I had the bangs and I know the bangs, the big glasses. He's like, "Mm, I don't know about this. But then the first photo shoot that I did, he's like, oh, wow. Like, I love her face. Like, let's like invest on her. So he told me that I didn't need to pay for the photos that like I would pay for with the jobs that I would do instead because he knew I didn't have any money to pay for it. So so that's how I started. And then I would say probably one year later, he was like, okay, let's try to send you to Sao Paulo, which is the biggest city in Brazil. And then everyone said no. They're like, oh, her beauty is not really what we're looking for. So I was like, well, okay, I guess maybe next time. So then we tried with other agencies and everyone said no. So he's like, okay, we're going to try to send you out of Brazil. And I was like, wait, I thought that I had to go to Sao Paulo first. I didn't feel very ready, you know, and then they tried and all of the places were like, okay, we love her, but like, does she speak English? (laughs) And I didn't speak any English. So Miami was the only place that said yes. They're like, oh, she's going to learn here. So then I went to Miami first. What a process. I mean, my God, what were you feeling (laughs) when you kept getting these rejections? Did it hurt your confidence or did you feel like, you know, I'll find the right place for me? I knew it was hard, but like nothing in my life was easy. So I was fine with it. I was like, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep trying. So I would go to the agency every day. It was like about a 40 minute walk. And I would go every day walking just to be like, hey, how's everything going? And then they were like, oh, we're still like talking to them. And then they would be like, oh my God, here comes this girl again. I was so annoying. I was always like, Let's do photo shoots. Let's do this. Let's do that. I was always like on top of it. And I feel like that's why I became what I became because I was always very on top of it. Oh my God. I mean, if that's not a lesson in perseverance and hard work, like I do not know what it is that you fought your way to get there. Okay. So you moved to Miami. You, you know, don't know a lot of English. You have no family. I know that moved with you. You were like, which is so brave. I cannot even imagine what that must've been like for you. But how do you think that you go from that? Because I'm always fascinated about this because there are obviously a lot of successful models that do well, but then there are supermodels, which you have reached that level. You're on covers of major magazines, walking every insane biggest designer. How do you go from a successful model who's doing well to the level of fandom, stardom, and jobs that you did? What do you think really set you apart? I think it was because I love doing what I'm doing a lot. And I think you can see that because I really give my all when I do a job. I don't care if it's a smaller job or if it's a very big job. I always did my best. So I feel like by doing that, people saw like something in me, which also was very hard for people to make people see it. But I think it was, it was that, you know, it was that that strength that came from inside of me that told me like, okay, you got to do this. I also feel like you're very, very good at branding yourself. I don't know if that's an intentional thing or if that's just like an innate talent that you had. It sounds like, especially if you were a blogger, you know, back when you were a teenager, but that's what I've always seen is like the, the supermodels of the world versus other amazing models that maybe just don't reach the status that you have. 
I think what sets you guys apart is that you are an expert at branding yourself. You know, you know how to come across relatable, you know how to get fans. So it's not just companies and brands that want to work for you. You have fans that love you for who you are beyond the jobs that you're booking. Do you feel that way? I feel like, of course, being a blogger when I was younger made me better at that. But I was always very into this. It was not something like, I know that a lot of models struggle with getting their Instagram done and like just posting photos and doing that. And like, I love doing that. So I had done that since day one. I remember in the beginning of Instagram, I used to get a thousand followers a day, like right in the beginning of everything, like in 2012 or whatever, because people were still getting into it. And then I was already good at it because I always had photos to post because I did so many photos for my blog. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that's amazing. I mean, that's a really fast growth. Like what tips do you have for other people who kind of want to have that? I feel like personal brand is such a big thing to say that, but like for people who are interested in creating an online presence, I think you come across on your social, you come across so authentic, which I do think is very different from other people in your industry. Because obviously, you know, what it was 10 years ago, people were all about the very curated, like how beautiful can you look? How styled can your outfit look? And now it's very much about authenticity. And I think you have the perfect mixture of showcasing, obviously your jobs, the covers you're on, the shows you're walking, like showcasing your work, because that's what your job is with the mix in of like a vulnerable post or something that you're doing that's a little more like just day in your life, you know, that you're giving people an insight into your authentic self. So to your credit, I think that that's exactly what you're saying, that it's being authentic and kind of getting over the very curated, perfect look that I think social media was even five years ago and being very authentic. And I think you do an amazing job at that. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about what the model industry is like. I'm so curious, Giselle. I'm dying to know like, what was your experience being that level of a model? Did you experience a lot of like misogyny or sexualization or, you know, other experiences that made you uncomfortable? Or did you always feel like you were very much in control, even when you were starting out in a younger model? I think that Back then, like when the agencies of Sao Paulo said no to me, it was mostly because I am brown and they were looking for girls that look like more European or Russian. And then I was like, oh, it's okay. And I feel like because of that, I never really felt pretty because I knew that like, oh, maybe if I have, if I had light eyes, I would book more jobs or if I was white or whatever. But then when I came to the US, especially to Miami, everyone was like, oh my gosh, your skin color is so beautiful. And and I'm like, things that I never heard in Brazil. And I'm like, really? Oh, thank you. And then I started to feel more beautiful here and because I was different. But when I came to Miami also, like my first agency, they told me many things that stuck in my head for so long until I was like maybe older that I realized like, oh, like it's not like that. Like, for example, they told me like, oh, you have stretch marks on your bum. Like uh, you're probably not going to book any bikini or lingerie campaigns, which in Miami is the one thing that you want to, because, you know, it's Miami, those brands go there to shoot and they're like, oh, and you have no boobs. So like you maybe put some silicone so like you can get more of those jobs and, but your hips are too big. And like, it was all of those things. And I was very, very, very skinny. I think I was like probably 115 pounds at the time. 
and you know everyone just kept putting all of those things on my way and then with time like i i knew that like i was booking jobs because my hips were bigger so like i had a little curve and it still was skinny and whatever like i i knew that like i was good at what i was doing so i didn't care that they said like, oh, stretch marks and this and that. So the first time I went to do the Victoria's Secret casting, which is the first thing that they really do when you come to New York, I put so much makeup on my bum not to show my uh, my stretch marks. But in the end, they didn't care. Wow, you know? really? So, Victoria's Secret didn't care. They were like, if you have stretch marks, fine. No, because I think at the time they would uh, Photoshop anyways, like those imperfections. And uh, if you had a tattoo or whatever, they would always take that out. So, yeah. That makes sense. So in, in the end, it was fine. It was totally fine. Oh my gosh. I do not know how you dealt with that pressure and those comments about your body, like you're being told constantly you're not good enough. And that's also really interesting too to hear in Brazil they wanted something totally different than they want in the U.S. So there's all these different messages mm-hmm. from different points of your life, either being told, you know, you're not good enough or this is wrong or like, I don't know how you dealt with that pressure and that criticism. How did you go through that? Like, were you able to kind of separate yourself and be like, okay, I know my worth or did those things get to you? They did get to me because I was 19 at the time. So oh. I think uh, you you really like take that in and like, okay, like maybe then I, I'm okay with not doing those type of jobs. And then like, I think my first bikini campaign was actually in 2020 or 2021. And that was after like I did Victoria's Secret and all of that because, and I never understood like, why are people not booking me for, for bikini campaigns and all of that? And like, I never understood why, but I feel like Every time I saw a bikini campaign was like mostly a white girl with a blonde hair, like looking tan on the beach. And, and I was like, okay, like maybe I would never do them. And then finally, when the market changed and everything, then they finally booked me for bikini campaign. I'm confused. Like, how did it not, like, why, (laughs) why? Like, that's so crazy. So did that start to make you feel like, well, am I not good enough for a bikini shoot? Or did you, were you able to see it as like, maybe that's just not the thing for me, but there's other opportunities. I thought that maybe that was not a thing for me. And then, but I, I had all this like other jobs that I loved doing that was mostly like with clothes on that I didn't care. Like I was like, oh, if I'm working, if I'm doing like something that I feel like I'm growing my career, then I'm fine. So like, for example, like when I came to New York the first time, like I, I booked this H&M campaign that I thought was just like, I don't know, I didn't know there was going to be a big campaign. And then I started receiving messages on Instagram, like, oh, I saw you on Times Square. And I'm like, what? So you were kind of having kind of like mixed messages where some jobs and some people were telling you, you're not good enough, cellulite, boobs aren't big enough, whatever it was. But then you were getting affirmation and booking a lot of these other jobs that were really exciting to you. Yes. I feel like in the modeling industry is like very like, oh, maybe you're not good for this, but for that, you're perfect. So like, I feel like there's just so many types of different clients that, especially nowadays. So like, it makes it easier for you to always be working and doing different things. Okay. That's interesting. So it's a little bit easier to be like, okay, well, maybe this person, this brand isn't like me, but there are so many others that will. So you can kind of not let those things affect your worth. Because I'm thinking if someone told me, 
oh my God, you've cellulite, you're not good enough, your boobs are too not big enough, whatever it is, I would like never forget it. And like, it would be stuck in my head, but you're able to kind of separate it because you know that other people are liking other things about you and you're a better, better fit for something else. Like it almost sounds like you're very much viewing it as your job, which I think obviously it is, but I have trouble understanding how models are able to kind of separate this is my job. My body is almost like my product and my face is my product versus a lot of us normal people have like this association with their body being part of their self-worth. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like, of course, it's harder on some people. For me, it was very hard, but because I was always working, I didn't feel it so much. And then when the pandemic hit that I started working less and I gained more weight, that's when I felt it. I was like, I was feeling like I wasn't good enough. I thought about ending, you know, my career there. I was like, oh, maybe this is the end for me. Uh, I don't want to, you know, try. And then like, nobody wants me. And then like, I really went through like that very dark time that I thought about giving up. But I was like, I did all of this. And my I, my friends were really like, come on, you did this and this and that. Like a lot of people look up to you. Like, what are, what are you even thinking? I was like, okay, like, I guess I'll keep trying. But it was very tough. And I feel like until today, it's still a bit hard for me to be accepted with my new body, you know? Mm. I mean, I feel like that's something that I've heard many models speak out about is especially like, it's normal for bodies to change especially as you get older, which like you're 30, you're not old, but like as you grow up, your body is meant to change from when you were a 17 year old, you know? So it's it's interesting to see hopefully how the industry is changing along with it, but it sounds like not quick enough. I know that a month or two ago, you were very open on your Instagram about an experience you had with a fitting for a designer. Can you share with our audience that experience? I think this is something that has been happening since uh, the pandemic for me. Like the, it's hard for people to accept my body as it is. And then finally, when it got to a point that like, I'm like, okay, like I'm done with this. So I went to do this, um, this fashion show. I was already booked for a confirm. They were like, okay, this is how it's going to be and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fine. I get there and then I tell them like, hey, like my size is four now. Like I'm I'm not the same size that I was when I was doing, you know, Victoria's Secret because I saw that they had some photos of me from the Victoria's Secret fashion show because they wanted girls that did the VS show. And then um, they're like, no, it's fine. We know. And the agency told them like uh, my size and like send some photos of how my body is right now. And then when I got there to try the clothes on, Everything was very, very, very small, probably like a size zero. And all the girls were super small and, and super tall and whatever. And, but like at the same time, they wanted girls with boobs. Hmm. So That's hard. I'm like, biologically, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Uh, so then I, I went to try on, like when I put it on, like when I passed my hips, did the like, the, you know? With, with <laughs> so then they're like, Okay, it's fine. Like, but it went on. It just didn't close. But it was like this, this much to close. Like, it wasn't going to close at all. So then they just looked at it. They just left, and and then after they were like, "Okay, you can take your dress off and put your clothes on." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" 
you know, guys are not going to give me anything else. And they were like, no, like, uh, we don't have anything that's going to feed you. I'm like, <laughs> what? I've been telling you this since I, since I arrived here. And the designer was late, probably like two hours and a half. The girls were there waiting. And he was just like doing his thing. Didn't care, like got there late, didn't say hi to anyone, just walked in. And then at the end, they, you know, the, I called the agency and they said that they knew everything. And I was like, okay, I, I, I don't know what to say. And they're like, oh, I can't believe you're still there because, you know, it's been a long time. I was supposed to be there for maximum 20 minutes. Wow. And it was hours, right, that you spent there? Hours. And I passed through that humiliation in front of all the other models that were waiting. Oh, my God. That, and they were like looking and like trying to understand what happened. I was like, oh God, why? That is, that's like humiliation. Yeah, I really felt very humiliated. And I left there like with so much anger. And I was like, okay, this is it. I'm not going to be quiet anymore. Because it happened a couple of times that people were like, how long does she need to uh, lose weight to be with this body so we can book her? And like all of those things happen with time. And I'm like, come on, like I'm, I, I need to say something. I need for people to understand, first of all, how it feels and how ugly it is to do that to someone. Because you never know the reasons why someone gained weight or someone lost weight. Even still, even in like 2023, shouldn't we be past the point that models should be a size zero? Like, shouldn't we be representing the entire population of women? Like the fact that you were a size four, which is still very well below the average of women in America, and they could not even accommodate that. You know, like that is bonkers. What do you think happened? Like, because I know you were so upfront the entire time of this is my size. Like, was it just that they were like, oh, that's too inconvenient to like go get a size four or like, what was it? Like what happened? I think the dresses were like couture style. So there was no way that they could make a new one or have an extra one. They did all of them the same size and whatever. So like, there was no way that they would, you know, bring another dress, but they only booked me because I was a Victoria's Secret model and they only cared about that. So they didn't care about my sizing or anything. They were like, we want this persona, whatever, and and we don't care their size. And then when I got there and they didn't have my size, then I wasn't good enough. So like, bye. So they were kind of using you for the brand recognition and then pivoted to like, well, you don't fit the yeah. size. Sorry. And like for you, them to waste your time, the humiliation of it, like that's just so hard to believe that that much toxicity clearly is going on still in the fashion industry. Like that's just crazy. So why did you want to speak out about it? Why, uh, you know, I'm sure that this happens to models every day and that a lot of them feel like they need to stay silent about it. And it's, they feel like they, a lot probably feel like, well, it's my fault I gained weight or, you know, like get into that kind of self-hatred, but you, which I am obsessed with and is so freaking cool, decided to speak out and call them out. Why do that? I think it was because I was tired of hearing that over and over again. And because I know that so many models that I know passed through the same thing and still do because they were skinnier when they were younger and then like they gain a bit more weight and then they were not good enough anymore. Like you still have the same ability to do such a, a good job to whatever you're doing, but why you gain a couple pounds and then you're not a good model anymore. So. I wanted to open the conversation because I feel like not many people want to talk about it, 
because of course, like even when I posted, I saw that a lot of people went through like my, my posts when I was younger and started like seeing like the difference of my body then and now. And that bothered me a bit because like, oh, so <laughs> everyone wants to like see the difference and all of that. And there is a huge difference. Now, when I look at photos, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so skinny. Like I'm so used to the body that I have now that I, I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable looking at how I was before. And I was always skinny my whole life. So it was not like I didn't eat to be skinny or, or all of that. It was just like my body changing with time. It changed when I was 25 and it changed now that I'm 30. So yeah, very different. That's true that that's, I, I didn't even think of that. That's an added layer of brave for you because in telling this story and which is why probably a lot of models don't speak out on instances like this is because it's calling out my body is different. And in a culture that is very much trying to tell women constantly, your body should be smaller, should look a certain way, should be a certain way to go out and be like, my body was not the way that it quote was like supposed to look. When that's so Mm -hmm. tied to your self-worth, that takes a lot to be able to open up about that. I think, especially for a model in the industry where like, that's your job, you know? And so you're under years of pressure that normal, I keep calling non-models normal people, like, but normal people like me (laughs) have never dealt with that pressure. But I have dealt with the normal pressure that is just being a woman in today's world, you know, where we're constantly being compared to other women. We're being told we're not good enough. Our bodies are supposed to look away. And you guys as models have an added layer to that. So the fact that you were able to be so open to not only call out a brand, which was badass of you, but then to do it knowing that people are going to want to compare your body, want to go look back. That's a layer I didn't Mm -hmm. even think of that. You're almost like opening yourself up for more scrutiny. And I I hope you didn't get any backlash for that. And I hope it was all just support, but I can see how that must have been scary for you to be open about that. I think I got bad comments mostly on TikTok because you know, uh, the video just shows up on the For You page. They don't know me or where I came from and my story. And the people on Instagram, they know like everything that I've done and like how far I came and all of that. So they, they were more like supportive. But so yeah, like it depends of like, if you know who I am and where I come from and if you don't. So if you just hear me like complaining, like, oh, like they didn't have my size. People are like, what are you complaining about? You know, so people don't know. Yeah. People take things out of context all the time. So that's the other risk is, you know, that people are going to be like, what are you complaining about? Like not knowing the story, not understanding the context. So it's hard to believe in 2023, I know I keep saying this, but that's, it's just so hard for me to wrap my brain around. I feel like so much has come out of, you know, toxic diet culture and pressure on women and that brands are speaking out too. You know, I, I like to think we've moved so far from the model and fashion industry that was like Kate Moss, you know, back in the early 2000s, you had to be super stick skinny. Everybody wasn't healthy. You know that I I like to think we've moved from that. But do you think that that is still very much something that's going on in the modeling and fashion industry where, you know, like even the comments that you used to hear of like cellulite, your boobs aren't big enough or, or is that being done? Or is it kind of more of it's still happening, but it's very not overt. Like it's, like this example where it's like, oh, sorry, we don't have your size. We didn't allow for that, but it's not the you're too fat or like all these shamey comments overtly, or is that happening as well? I think in 2019, there was a whole like movement or book of booking like 
different looking people, not just like the super pretty skinny models. And then I thought that we were going forward with that. But as soon as the year 2K trend came back, being super skinny came back with it. And we can see that on celebrities. We can see that on the runway shows. You can see it everywhere. Of course, there are some brands that they were, they always cared about and they were always, you know, doing whatever needs to be done, like who you're selling to, you know, and some brands, they don't care. They just want to like their campaign to look a certain way and to have certain models. And, and this is how it is. So like, I feel like with the comeback of the year to K trend that came with it. So I thought that, you know, once we're like, we're going to go back to the nineties models that they were so hot and like had curves. And I thought that those models were ever going to come back, but they never did. Oh, that's when, such when a we point. had the time to go back and then, yeah. Yeah. It's like, we were headed to a good place, but you see a little bit of the, nope. And that's a good point. Like with Ozempic coming, like now every celebrity's on Ozempic, like, whereas for a while it was like, curves are in people were getting like the bbls again not that bbls were healthy but that people wanted more curves now people are wanting to go on ozempic to be unhealthy skinny so that's a good point that we've almost kind of like backtracked and that is a very scary place to be what are your thoughts on that Mm -hmm. from inside the industry like what does that make you think about your career do you have any thoughts on wanting to pivot or does anything like scare you about that like it scares me I think it scared me for a while that I wasn't going to be able to model like I used to because of that. But I know that there are so many brands out there that care about showing all types of body. So, and like, if you're selling, like, I, I feel like I only realized how, how that affects people shopping online. When I went to, for example, like to look at the Fashion Nova website and all the girls are super curvy. And I was like, oh my God, this is not going to look good on me. I don't have those curves. And then I was like, oh, wait. So that's why people complain that there is only skinny models online. Because how can you picture your body in a certain type of clothes if you don't see it? So it's so important to have all those types of bodies, you know, so people can, can picture themselves wearing something. I think that you can sell so much more like that than just to have one type of model, you know? I totally agree. I think that people are going to want to be shopping the brands that are making these efforts, you know, even though maybe on the brand end or like more like the model, um, like major brand, it is shifting again towards yeah. the scary skinny. But I do think a lot of consumers are smart enough, you know, like we know what we want, we know what we deserve. So people are going to be more likely to shopping the brands that do have those options. I love my favorite thing is having like when you can go to your size and see the model that's your size, you know, like obviously having multiple alternatives body sizes is helpful period. But when you can go to the pair of jeans that you want and select I'm this size and the model of that size is the picture there, like that's always really helpful too. So I think that consumers are smart, that we are not going to play into this scary trend transition into very thick, skinny, the Ozempic craze. I think that consumers are going to want more normalcy. You know, we're going to want to see ourselves maybe I think that's the hope for me is that that consumers are going to be wanting to shop what they can see themselves in instead of what the ideal is like we used to fall into in the early 2000s. So what other ways do you think the fashion industry in general can change to be more inclusive? 
Oh my God. I no, feel big like, question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when uh, this whole change happened of people like booking different looking models and all of that, I know that some brands were very like all about that and some only did because of the trend. So I feel like brands have to change from the core of like, whoever works and then whoever chooses the models and choosing because they really think that that model is going to sell their product, not because like, oh, we have to book this model, otherwise people are going to complain. So I feel like it's more, it has to come from the inside and from whoever is working inside of the brands to have this view of like, you know, seeing things with other eyes and not just like, oh, we have to do this, otherwise we're going to be canceled or, or something like that. But yeah, I feel like with every trend of beauty, it comes, it becomes a point that everyone looks the same. So they want something new. So God knows what's going to be the next thing, because I feel like now everyone's kind of looking the same. So something new is going to come along the way. I hope so. so. (laughs) I never understood those trends. No, I'm with you. I've never understood it, but <laughs> but that's reassuring, I think. And, and I, I like that perspective too, that it's like there are maybe brands out there that it's like just checking something off the list. So that like, that's interesting to throw that mm-hmm. in, in there. It's like, you want to avoid getting canceled. And I think that again, the consumers were enough to fish out are they doing this because it's performative or are they making this change because they really believe, oh my God, when we have a diverse range of bodies, we can sell product, you know, that it's important for us Mm -hmm. on all these levels that we deeply understand as a brand to showcase a wide variety of, of women rather than a performative action. So I think that's a really good point that it has to come from the intention within and the consumer, I think, absolutely can tell what's performative and what's a genuine change. I'm really curious too, thinking about your time with Victoria's Secret, because that's been another huge brand that has, you know, gotten a lot of flack in recent years, whether it's like the, you know, they're only promoting one body type, sexualization of women. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's been documentaries on Hulu about it. Like I, so I'm curious, like your thoughts, like what was it like for you being in that environment? And is it something that you feel like they need to change or is it something that you feel like is misunderstood? I think that by the time I started working with them, I was very happy that they booked me because I feel like most, of, as I as I told you, most of the brands that did swimwear and and lingerie, they they booked mostly white girls. And when I did the first Victoria's Secret Fashion Show, the cast uh, it was in 2017 when everyone went to China. That was probably the most beautiful casting because there were girls from all over the world. And I've never had that before in a job. So that was goes from literally everywhere. And they all look like different. Even like that, I think there was eight Brazilian models and all of us look very different from each other. So it was a very diverse casting. Of course, the body was everyone super skinny. And that was something that I was like, oh, I never had this before. To look around and see so many people from so many different places. I never had a pressure with them to look a certain way, but I knew that I had to look that way to work with them. Well, I'm sure you looked around and saw what the other models were like and you knew you had to keep up that standard. Yeah, it was mostly about that. Like nobody ever told me, oh, you have to lose weight or you have to do this and that. Like, no, like I did because I knew that that's what they were looking for. But now, like I see their their stuff and everything is so beautiful and so different from what I was used to. But I do know that they changed everyone inside, working inside as well. 
Oh, they did. Like all the internal business positions, they changed everything. Wow. I did not know that. I don't know if everything, but some people, yes. But I I really don't have anything bad to say about them because they were always super sweet with me. And like, I know how how much my career changed because of it. And like, not just mine, but other girls too. Like you get all that people looking at you from all over the world. And like, I really... I I would feel ungrateful if I if I say something bad, you know. Yeah. Because I really don't feel anything bad about it. Yeah, I totally get that, and and it is such a huge marker. And that up until this job, you had not seen that mm-hmm. range of diversity just in terms of culture, locations of the yeah. world, like that they brought a lot of diversity, and in that way, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's a really huge thing, especially if you weren't saying that at all. Like I, so I totally see how for you that was like you know what, that was an amazing win for me because I had not seen that before. And that since then, you know, they're making efforts towards body diversity. That's great. Um, I think as long as people yes. are working to improve, and like you said earlier, it's coming from within rather than a performative thing. Amazing. I mean, the, the world needs more brands who are speaking out and saying, sorry for what we've done. Sorry for perpetuating the standard. We are trying to be better. Mm-hmm. But I totally hear you that for you, it was a good example. And I totally see how that, you know, you were focused on that it was a diverse cast of women than what you had worked with before. Yes. And that for you was a big win. I'm very curious because talking to you, I feel like you have this very powerful sense of self that a lot of people don't have. You know, I think it's easy to get caught up in how our body looks when nobody is telling us bad things. You know, when it's just our own brains looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I've gained weight. I don't look good. My body's changing. Looking back on pictures from when we were younger, thinking, oh my God, I gained so much weight since then, or I look older or whatever it is. But you have had other people telling you things about your body for your career. And you still have this sense of, I know that you said it was really difficult for you and still is a journey, but it seems like you have this great sense of self that you're still able to be like, you know what? My body's changing. That's normal. That's okay. I still love myself as I am. I'm not going to fall into dangerous diet trends to try to get back my 17-year-old body. You know, like you you have this really strong sense of self and self-worth separate from your body. How do you think you were able to, as much as possible, like accept your body as it is now and kind of go through your body changing? I never was fully happy with my body. Like I would look at photos and like, oh my gosh, I, I'm never going to have abs. And like now I look at them like what I was talking about. Look at my abs. <laughs> like I was looking crazy. So I feel like I, I, w- I never felt like I was, you know, looking good enough or whatever. And then once I gained weight, I started feeling harder because I was like, oh, I have all these curves. My boobs grew and all of that. And I was like, oh, like I look, I know I feel harder, but it bothers me when people outside are like, oh, you gain weight and like you're not good enough or whatever. But like, because I feel harder, I have this confidence that I didn't have before. So I feel like it's more about that. I was like, I know, I know that I'm healthier now. Like I have way more energy. Uh, I don't get sick very often. Like I used to get sick so much before. Like I would go to the hospital probably like two or three times a year, like being like, oh, I'm going to die. And because I was way too skinny from what I, I was, I should be to have a, a healthy body, you know? But as I, I told you, like, I never had any problems with like not eating or any of that. I was just you know, skinny because I was skinny, but like now that I, that I gained weight with 
age and everything. Like now I feel healthier. I feel like I have more energy and I feel hotter. So I know that this is what is best. Like I don't want to try and go back to this body that I had on my early 20s because I feel better now. Oh my God. Everything you just said, I love, I'm obsessed with. That first piece being hearing other people, if they're saying, which like, ew, goodbye trolls that are coming at you like, (laughs) oh, you gained weight, blah, blah, blah. That's bad. Or brands that are telling you that you are hearing these things, but then you are feeling hotter. I think that that is proof in itself that feeling attractive, loving your body, feeling sexy, feeling hot, that is an internal thing. There could be a thousand other people that are telling you you're hot, you're hot, you're hot until you actually feel it from within, you're not going to actually acknowledge or like feel hot. You know, it, it has to come mm-hmm. from you. And that's something at any side, that feeling always comes from within. And it's nothing to do with other people are telling you or affirming for you. And then the second part that I, I love that you're speaking out and, and that you're sharing, and thank you for sharing, is that vulnerability of before when you work like the very skinny quote, like ideal model that you did not feel good enough still, you know, that you had the body that a thousand million people were looking at being like, if only I had Giselle's body, I would be happy. And you were in that body thinking, well, my abs aren't good enough. You know, like my boobs aren't big enough. Like I've stretched, whatever it is, like you are still not feeling good enough as you are. So again, just more proof and more affirmation for people out there listening that beauty is a social construct, which like, duh, like we know that, but that confidence does not come from other people telling you, you look good. And from affirmation from other people, it all comes from within, from how you feel. So I love that you're feel better about yourself in this body now, and that you're not letting the outside people get to you. I think those are two like actually very powerful lessons that everyone, no matter what their body size, no matter what their body journey can relate to and take with them. Like those are really powerful lessons. Yeah. I feel like, I think this is something that like in Brazil, like we learn a lot, like you have to be sexy and confident to get whatever you want, like whoever you want or whatever you want. So like we, we learn how to be sexy from when like, you know, we are very young. And this is something that I wish that people taught women because men have that somehow. Good point. And I don't why women don't have it. Like why we are taught that like we should doubt ourselves at all times and men are looking, you know, whatever, not good or whatever. And they're like, they go to the hottest girl in the club and they think that they can get them. That's like, what? So like, and a girl go look at a like average guy and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to go talk to him. So true. So true. So yeah. Oh my God. So in Brazil, they obviously taught you that there is this like inner confidence that it's, it's kind of like, yeah. like, I'm good enough. I'm amazing. I look sexy. I'm hot no matter what. What do you think if you have any like tips or advice for people who did not grow up in Brazil with that culture, that ideology and grew up in America, that was very much like, you know, you're a woman, you're not good enough. What advice would you give them to start working on and fostering that inner, I want to call it like inner sexiness, inner confidence? Yes, I feel like every person has something in them that that gets people's attention. It could be their smile, the way that you move your hair, the way that you walk, the way you dance. So you have to use those things and start paying attention to these things that everyone say that they love about you. And then you have to start thinking 
like, oh, like I have this, like, why don't I work on it? And like, I have so many friends of like different body types that they have certain things that, that get so much attention and then they work on it. And then like, you see them glowing like crazy. We all have people in our lives that we can look at women in our lives who are like, they are magnetic. They make everyone else love them. They're so attractive. They're gorgeous. They're, and it has nothing to do with their bodies. Mm -hmm. It never has anything to do with, oh my God, she has the most like quote, perfect body. It has nothing to do with it. And yet we are all focused on what our body's looking like. But we know when we look at other people, we're looking at that, that almost like intangible way of being where they're like lively and confident and like all these, this energetic factor, it has nothing to do with the way that their body's looking. It's finding those things that like, what are the things that make you like stand out and honing in on them, like really believing. It sounds like you were saying like knowing, oh, someone complimented my smile. Instead of, I think what a lot of us do when we get a compliment is like, oh, it's not that great. They're just being nice. Instead of doing that, Uh it's like, I do have a freaking amazing smile. Let me go like flash it around town because I know it's going to impress people. You know, like believing in what is good about you and knowing that there is a lot, that is the sexiness, I think, to pinpoint exactly what you're saying. So we all got to just go foster our inner sexiness. Yes. And start loving us from like what we have and not what we don't have. Like we always look for what we don't have instead of being grateful from what we have. So, so I think true. it's more working on that. So true. Being aware of what we do have instead of comparing ourselves to other people that tells us what we don't. I know you mentioned before that you feel so much better in your body too, not only just in that sexiness, confidence that I love, but also in like the way that it feels and your energy and your immunity. Can you share some of those other wellness tricks? My listeners know that I am a wellness fiend. I'm obsessed with it. So any rituals that you can share that you swear by and love? I think I am very big into hydration of the skin and also on the inside. Like I love drinking water. I had this crazy uh, kidney infection that I almost died. So I was like, okay, I have to drink more water. I have to care about like take care of that. So like I started drinking a lot of water and I saw the difference on my skin and on my health after drinking a lot of water, like about two liters a day. That already helps you so much. And like I, in the beginning, it's very tough, but you get used to it, especially if you get a big bottle and then you keep drinking throughout the day. Like you, you really see the difference on your hair, on your skin and also, you know, hydrating on the outside. I feel like the uh, Brazilian products have such a beautiful smell. Like they, they all like have an amazing thing. Like my favorite one right now is uh, from Nativa Spa. They have this quinoa one that they have an oil and like, and everything. And like, that makes me feel even more confident because the smell makes me, I feel like, oh, I smell like a hot girl. (laughs) I totally get it. The hot girl smell. Yeah. And I'm (laughs) hydrated. Yeah. So that's my favorite thing. Oh my God. I got to check that out. Cause it's, it's true. Like, it's just like how you moisturize your body and the products you use and like making it a luxurious experience and the smell and like, it all adds to that kind of inner sense of confidence. Like I totally feel that difference when I have properly lathered myself than when I have it. So I totally get that. I do feel like people from Brazil have like the best beauty secrets. Like you guys just like have all these like tricks and tips. So do you have any other secrets to share with us that maybe like Americans don't know? 
Oh my gosh. I feel like in Brazil, we have so many things that we do. Like there is this plant that's called babosa. I don't know how you say it in, in English maybe, but we cut the, 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 how do you call it? The leaf. Yeah. We cut the leaf and then you squeeze it. And then like that, the thing comes out like that is very weird and disgusting, but people <laughs> put that on their skin and on the hair and it really hydrates like crazy too. Something very weird, but that everyone does. Is it like aloe? Mm, I really don't know the name in English, but we okay. call it babosa in Portuguese. That I think I think is a very, very weird tip, but that you know, it works. <laughs> okay, Giselle, we are going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. First question for you: Your favorite comfort meal? Noodles. Ooh, I love <laughs> noodles. I'm with you. Any certain type, any brand, any restaurant, or just like all mm. noodles, any noodles? Just like Korean or Japanese noodles. So good. Always the best. I'm with you. I'm with yes. you. Okay. I know that you recently turned 30, which happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank so you. exciting. <laughs> Such a big birthday. What do you think so far is the biggest difference between your 20s and 30s? I think that on your 20s, you really don't know much about yourself or about life, really. So you're just like having all the, these new experiences and sometimes you make bad choices. Whereas on the 30s, you know what, what you're about and what you accept and what you don't accept. So I feel like you're more mature and ready for whatever's coming because being an adult is not easy. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. That's good though. Like, authenticity in yourself, knowing what's right for you. Yes. Okay. A desert island beauty product, any product that you cannot live without? Oh my gosh. I would say lip balm because I think I will go crazy if I wasn't stuck in an island and I didn't have lip balm. Are you addicted to lip balm? Because I like literally cannot be without it. I, I would rather bring lip balm somewhere than my phone. Yeah. My lips are always dry. So I have to have it in my bag at all times. I love it. Me too. Yeah. I can never, I would never leave a room without chapstick. When I go watch TV, I bring my chapstick with me. Like it's, yeah, it's a thing. So I'm glad you get it because it's really, <laughs> I a, get to it. be addicted to chapstick, it's a life. It is. <laughs> okay, Giselle. And then the last question, a book that changed your life that you can leave with our audience. I think it was Introduction to Nonviolent Communication. That one was a life changing for me. Because you you learn like as someone that grew up as a Latina, like we always grew up like with everyone just uh, screaming or or like um, you know fighting all the time for like little things that make no sense. So like I feel like if if I had learned that as a kid, I would be a completely different person, and that changed me a lot. Like just like little things that you don't even pay attention, you know, just like how you should say certain things, like be nicer and like, so people can understand your feelings too, you know, that really changed me. Can you remember like one major takeaway that you can share? I think it was more about like how you can communicate how you feel instead of like, oh, you did this and this and that. And like, why did you do that? Instead of like, I felt this way when you told me this and this and that. Can you, uh, mm. and then the person's like, I'm so sorry, instead of like fighting back, you know, it's more like th those simple things, like you don't really pay attention unless like you either have someone that is better at communication than you, or when you read the book and you're like, oh, wow, 
I do the, my parents do the, my, some of my friends do that. So like it, it really changed me. Okay. I've never heard of that. And I'm going to get that. I feel like I need that in my communication with my boyfriend. So that will help me a lot. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Giselle, thank you so much. You are so interesting and fascinating and have great advice, great insight. Where can everyone find you and get more Giselle? Well, I'm very bad at videos still, but I'm going to work on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm uh, Giselle Oliveira on Instagram, G-I-I-Z-E-L-E-O-L-I-V-E-I-R-A. And on TikTok is uh, the same. So yeah, you can just find me everywhere. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Giselle. This was so much fun. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. If this episode gave you any value or you're liking the show in general, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a huge difference for our show so we can keep growing and bringing the content that you love. If you want more info, you can find us at The Every Girl Podcast on Instagram or theeverygirlpodcast.com. Talk to you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>